Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Primal Potential Podcast. I am Elizabeth Benton. I hope you're doing really, really well. I just got back from vacation with all three kiddos and Chris and Chris's parents. And man, I knew it wasn't going to be, I knew it would be easier to stay home than it would be to go away with three under two, especially, you know, when two of those three are twins that require everything to be done for them and have no degree of independence. But I also wanted to do it because in all areas of my life, including parenthood, I don't want to do what's easy, right? I don't want to do what's comfortable. I want to be really comfortable taking the kids to go do different things. And, you know, I've talked to so many people who, who maybe made different choices and then it becomes harder to do those things because you haven't built the confidence and your kids don't have the experience and they haven't, you know, it, it takes some adjusting to get used to being in new environments. And when I grew up, I was very comfortable sleeping in other places. Um, not because we were like tossed around a lot, but whether it was my grandparents or my aunts or we were going out of town or on a vacation or any number of things like that, I, I I was comfortable with it because I was exposed to it often. And I just want to do that with my kids. And it's never going to be easy. And it's just such a good reminder in all areas of our lives that if we do what is easy, then it becomes more difficult to break out of that pattern. I'm going to tell you a couple quick things about my trip. And then I want to get into your questions. And somebody asked about um, how I lost pound, over 100 pounds the first time. And I want to talk about that. But I also want to talk about what I'm doing differently this time in my postpartum journey and a bunch of other questions that you guys sent in that are fantastic. But first, I want to tell you what I'm giving away. Not surprisingly, following this past Monday's episode, I'm giving away GBX Burn. That is the new product I talked about on last Monday's episode. That's episode 1061. I talked about how I don't like the marketing, but I actually do like the product and what the product does and how it works. If you have not listened to 1061, I've said that I think it's one of the most important health and weight loss related podcasts I've done in a long time. So do go listen to 1061. I'm giving away burn today. Of course, I'll also link it up in the show description and you can win just by leaving a review of this podcast on whatever app you listen to. And I'll announce the winner at the end of the show. One of the things that I wanted to tell you is my I have three things I'm tracking with the consistency calendar for the month of February. And one of them is 50 burpees a day. And I will just, spoiler alert, I did not do my 50 burpees every single day while we were away. And I'm cool with that. You know, I, I am not a, I don't believe that anyone is a perfectionist. I believe that some people tell themselves they are perfectionists or a lot of people tell themselves they're perfectionists to justify some sort of, um, standard in their life that is keeping them from other things, right? They blame it on this story of like, I'm a perfectionist. But what I believe to be true is that there's no such thing as perfection. And I'm always going for progress. Nobody ever did anything perfectly. Like no business was ever built perfectly. No fortune was ever made perfectly. No child was ever parented perfectly. So it's not not a name of mine. Um, and I don't... Uh, Anytime that I'm slow to execute something or anything along those lines, I don't blame it on perfectionism. So anyway, I'm not mad that I didn't do my 50 burpees, um, but I am getting right back to it. One day, though, when I did do, I didn't, I didn't skip every single day, but there were a couple days that I missed while we were away. 
And on one of the days, I really didn't want to do it. It was late at night. Roman was in bed already. I do not like to stay up late. And I also do not prefer to do my burpees in front of an audience. And my husband and my father-in-law were like in the only kind of open area where I could do them because I don't want to do my burpees on the second floor where I'm like, you know, making a ton of noise. So I wanted to do it on the ground floor where I wouldn't make a lot of noise, um, wouldn't disturb people, but I also didn't want to be looked at, right? So I, I found this little, it's like a little hallway with literally just enough room to do a burpee. Like you <laughs> really couldn't move much more than that. And even though I didn't want to do it, what I told myself was doing these 50 burpees more slowly is absolutely better than not doing them at all. Like every, you know, I, my goal for myself in doing this for the month of February is, is for time, right? So I'm not doing five burpees at eight in the morning and five burpees at 9.30 and five bur- like I'm doing them all at once. And the goal is to really push myself. But at the end of the day, I'd rather have a day where I didn't move as fast as I usually do, but I still got it done. And so I gave myself permission to move more slowly to dial down the intensity and just get it done. And there were other days where I didn't do them and I'll get right back on it. And I think that's the most important thing. In fact, I was on a call with a client while we were away. And one of the things I said to her was, it's not the choice you make when you're out for date night or, or whatever that is, that's really the issue. If you choose to have dessert or you have choose to have a drink, what really matters more is how you respond to that choice. And despite the hundreds of episodes that I've done on it, you know, I still myself uh, can be dramatic at times and I still have clients that are dramatic at times. But really the goal is not to eliminate moments of skipping a workout or moments of overindulging or whatever it is. The goal is to improve your response, to get back to your next great choice even faster than before, as fast as possible, with no stories around, well, since I did this, I might as well, bah, 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 bah. Think about it that way. A lot, you know, one of the things, and we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but one of the things I really messed up for a long time in trying to lose weight was as soon as I made a choice that didn't align with the choice I said I would make, planned to make, I would be like, oh, I screwed up. Oh my gosh, what's wrong with me? Here we go. I got to start over. Now, it's really got nothing to do with it being a screw up. It's an opportunity to return to engagement quickly without drama, without all the stories and the negative energy and all that crap that is draining. It's less about like what would happen if you focused less on trying to white knuckle willpower what you perceive to be these perfect or ideal or optimal choices And instead, you just improved your response to your thoughts and choices. You improved your your response to your thoughts and your choices. So if you have a thought of like, who cares? I don't care. What's the point? I'll start tomorrow. I'll start Monday. I already ate it. So therefore, what if your goal is to improve your response to those kinds of thoughts? What if your goal is to improve your response to a choice to overeat or overindulge? I think that is going to serve you much better in life. So one of the questions that came in that I wanted to tackle at least at least in a at a high level is 
what did I do to lose 100 pounds? Somebody asked me, Elizabeth, what did you do to lose 100 pounds? Did you do several different programs or plans of actions or did you do one strategy? Kind of neither, you know? Uh, and the reason I say neither, which might even not be the right answer, I didn't follow any program at all other than what I teach here, right? I didn't follow any program. And this was after trying every single program under the sun. Like if it's out there, except for the new crazy, ridiculous injections people are doing, that wasn't a thing, you know, then. So I certainly didn't try that. But I've done drops. I've done pills. I've done calories, macros, every paid diet program that you could ever imagine. And none of it worked long term, right? It doesn't mean that you know, when I went on the diet where I only ate white fish and apples, you bet your butt I lost weight. But as soon as I stopped, I put that weight back on and then some. And I did a lot of damage to my metabolism along the way. And I eroded my confidence and my ability to sustain weight loss. And I did nothing to teach myself lifelong habits for the kind of person I want to be in the kind of relationship with food I want to have. But when I lost the 130 pounds prior to starting Primal. I did not follow any of those programs, um, but I also didn't have like, this is my strategy that I'm going to do. I really started with just one thing at a time. I had a lifelong history of the big overhaul. On Monday, I'm starting this program and this thing, and I'm going to do this. And I might do it on Monday or Tuesday or for a week or two or sometimes even a month, but that was rare. But I never stuck with it. And I was done with those total overhaul approaches that felt very restrictive and often extreme and, of course, didn't reflect. I never even thought about how do I want my relationship with food to be moving forward? How do I think I'm going to eat for the rest of my life and be the fit, healthy person that I want to be? So I just turned all of that on its head and I started with one choice, which if you, I, you, most of you are probably saying it out loud with me. I had a smaller breakfast order at Chick-fil-A, right? I was going through the Chick-fil-A drive through for breakfast every morning on my way to work and I was getting two breakfast entrees and a large Diet Coke and I would say, okay, you can have chicken minis or you can have a chicken biscuit, but you can't have both, right? I'd still get the hash browns, I'd still get the large Diet Coke, but it was chicken minis or a chicken biscuit and not both. And then... I started to make changes in addition to that. When I would, what I considered to be binge eat, I would start to say, okay, but is there some improvement I'm willing to make? You know, and, and I've shared this a hundred million times before too. If I was going to eat a pint of ice cream, I would take a big spoon and I would scoop out as much as I could with that big spoon and I'd put it down the garbage disposal and I would eat the rest. And that was an improvement. And over time, it evolved. One of the early changes that I made was I bought a treadmill. And I wasn't speed walking, I wasn't running, but I told myself, if you're going to sit and watch TV, which at that time in my life, I watched a lot of TV, plus I watched a lot of football, so it could be hours of, of TV watching, you're going to stand on the treadmill and move. And it wasn't like a three mile an hour, a four mile an hour, it wasn't anything like that. It was literally like the lowest speed on the treadmill, which I think on that particular treadmill was one mile an hour. My goal wasn't to walk, my goal was to just not sit as much. So that was an early change that I made. And I just continued to make those small changes. Now, I'm currently in another fat loss phase postpartum. You know, I've got three pregnancies and four babies behind me in the last you know, two, two-ish, two and a half years. Um, and I've thought about this a lot. 
because it's not just a matter of like, what would I do differently if I had to do it now? Because I am doing it now. So (laughs) what am I doing differently? Obviously, my baseline is different. I don't eat now the way I ate when I weighed over 300 pounds. So obviously, because of that, my approach is going to be different given that my initial approach was incremental change from my starting point then. I have a higher level of fitness now. I have overall healthier habits now. But I still have the same challenges that a lot of people listening have in terms of like, I have a sweet tooth. Uh, I have a really intense, um, I have intense life demands outside of fitness and eating healthy. Like when I lost 130 pounds, I was single. Well, I was married, but I, I didn't have kids and I didn't have anybody to take care of, right? My, my first husband and I were super independent in that way that like, if I was eating these things, he would totally take care of himself. That didn't cause friction in our relationship. Um, and so I only had to worry about myself. If I wanted to go to the gym at 8 o'clock at night, I could go to the gym at 8 o'clock at night. If I wanted to go to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning, I could go to the gym at 5 o'clock in the morning. Now, in my lifestyle now, with three kids under two, I don't have that kind of flexibility. So there are things that are inherently different. But there are also things that intentionally I will do different now because I know more now. I know more now from my experience. I know more now just from years of paying attention to myself. But I also know more now from research. I continue to stay very up to date with research on fat loss and metabolism and healing and all of the things that are related to hormones and fat storage, fat burning, metabolism, digestion, all of these things. So there's a couple of, well, I would say three things that are the the pillars that I am leading with on this fat loss approach. And they're not pillars that I had then, but I think they would have been amazingly helpful. At that time, it was really like clean up your diet. That was the primary thing. And then eventually I added in fitness and started doing CrossFit. But my only guiding thought then was clean up your diet. And that works. Now it's more nuanced and more specific. The first is, and I talked about this in Monday's episode, which is 1061, I think. Um, Number one is focus on healing. Even though I know, okay, Especially if you think you don't have anything specific to heal from, I want you to listen because I don't have some crazy like illness or injury that I'm trying to overcome. I would be somebody who, if you had said this to me five years ago, I would have been like, I'm, I don't have any healing, you know, other than like maybe mental, emotional crap from my past. I like, I'm not trying to, to heal something, but here's what I know now. When you have chronic stress or injury or illness or a history of antibiotic use, a history of overeating, any number of other things, even if maybe, well, I'll say even if you have no digestive discomfort symptoms or challenges at all, what those things do stress, injury, illness, antibiotic use, pregnancy, surgeries, overeating, binge eating, all of them, they break down the lining of the gut. 
And that is not something that most of us feel or experience as belly aches or constipation or diarrhea. We don't. But what happens is that our body can no longer prioritize fat loss because it's considering itself under attack. What I mean by that specifically is that all of those things I just listed that kind of break down the integrity of the gut lining, again, and in most cases it has nothing to do with diarrhea, constipation, cramping, it can, but in most cases it does not. It does not have gut symptoms in most cases, especially not, you know, until it's way, 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 way further down the line. Um, and in those cases, a lot of people just think it's normal, right? That it, bloating is normal, that occasional diarrhea or constipation or uh, acid reflux is normal. I, anyway, what happens is that things get through this protective barrier of the gut that shouldn't, and your body mounts a defense because your body's top priority is to keep you safe and healthy. So as things get through, because it's breaking down a little bit that shouldn't be through, your body is fighting off things that it shouldn't be fighting off that are not a threat if your gut is doing its job. But because it's not, your body is so busy, we'll call it fighting fires, that the last thing it's going to ever allow is fat loss because... Your body's job is to keep you safe. You only have so many resources. And if it thinks it's under attack, it wants to hold on to that fat because you might need it in this fight against stuff that you shouldn't be fighting against. Okay? So that's a whole conversation for another day. I went into that in 1061, so I'm not going to rehash all of that here, but do go listen to 1061 if you haven't already. For that reason, one of my three pillars this time around is focus on healing. All right? A lot of that has to do with supplements, very targeted. I'm on, I take three different probiotic products, um, and I also have added in burn, which I talk about on 1061. You can understand all of that in that episode. And, of course, I take the stuff I've always taken in terms of omega-3s and uh, Relief Plus, which is a big part of it. I'll link all that sh- stuff in the show description. The second of the three pillars that I'm really leading on Uh, leading with and leaning on is focus on protein. Every time I eat, if I'm eating and there needs to be protein present, most people are not getting enough protein, especially as we get over 30. It's just so important. It's so important for fat loss. And the, the thing that it goes hand in hand with is the third thing that I'm really leading with and leaning on. And that is focus on getting really damn strong, focus on building muscle. And having a lot of protein or, or leading with protein and having your meals be protein forward is not for the purpose of getting strong and building muscle, though that's part of it. Even if you're, you have no interest in weight training, no interest in being strong, no interest in putting on muscle, you still need to emphasize protein. It is incredibly important, okay? It's important for healing and repair. It's important for fat loss. It's important for satiety. It's important for so many things. But the getting super strong piece of it Muscle is more metabolically active, all right? Now, this is a personal preference thing, and it's one of many, many, many reasons why I want to focus on strong, focus on getting strong. You might not share this reason, but one of mine is 
the more muscle that you have, and listen, nobody out there is going to get bulky. If you find that you start lifting weights and you get bulky, it's got nothing to do with lifting weights and you're eating too much. <laughs> That's it. Okay. You are not go. Let me just say this again. You are not going to get bulky by lifting heavy weights. The reason that anyone would get bulky by, you know, lifting weights for 30 minutes, three or four times a week is because they're eating too much. Full stop. Full stop, full stop. So if you're one of those people that's like, well, I don't want to get bulky. You don't get it. I just cleared it up. We should be good now. But one of the reasons this is so super important to me is because muscle's more metabolically active than other types of tissue. What this means to me is that the more muscle I have, not only the better I look, for sure. Are you kidding me? A butt that has a lot of muscle looks real great compared to a butt that doesn't have a lot of muscle. And the same thing with arms and all, you know, all these kinds of things. So many times people say, I lost all this weight, but my arms are super flabby. Dude, build some muscle. But anyway, because it's more metabolically active, it means we can eat more and maintain our weight. And I really like the sound of that because I have no interest to get to this like really small physique where I feel like I'm forever having to dial back what I, what I want to eat because I'll gain weight if I eat it. When we are strong, when we are fit, when we have that great muscular base, not only do we have a stronger immune system, not only do we have better balance and we're less likely to suffer from falls and breaks and all of these other things that can create a real cascade of health problems, not only is it really great for things like anxiety and depression and mobility and all of these other things, it also allows us to eat more. So yes, please. Those are my three pillars right now doing it this time around. Number one, focus on healing. A lot of that for me has to do with targeted supplementation. Number two, prioritize protein. If I'm eating, protein is present. Let's talk about this for just a second because I get a lot of questions about it. What does that look like? What is protein? So an example in the morning breakfast would be eggs right? That's just an easy example of breakfast. It's not the only one. Sometimes I do a protein smoothie, like a protein shake. Uh, other times I'll do something like Greek yogurt. Other times I will do, I've made a really great hash with um, ground pork. So animal products, yes, are protein, but they certainly are not the only way to get protein. Dairy products can be really uh, good sources of protein, but I also, the protein shake that I drink is plant-based protein. It comes from chickpeas. Um, lots of different ways to do that. A protein forward lunch would be, you know, like we went to Five Guys uh, on our drive home. You can do burger, no bun. You can do a salad with some salmon. You could do, again, a protein smoothie. You could do Greek yogurt. You could do a protein bar, but be really careful with bars and shakes because a lot of them are just garbage and they're like candy bars and milkshakes with all sorts of crap that you don't really want or need in your body. Um, okay. Hope that's helpful. Somebody asked, how did you get started? I think that I already addressed that one. So we'll kind of bypass that. The next question says, I love water and drink coffee and tea. Occasionally I see others drinking diet Pepsi and other soda pops. This is when I desire it the most. Are there any weight loss benefits to sodas at all or should I avoid them like I do now? There are zero weight loss benefits to soda. Yes, you should avoid them if you are doing that now. 
obviously, you know, if we have the conversation of somebody who's drinking like six Mountain Dews a day and they have a goal of weight loss or a goal of getting healthier, you know, does it make sense to switch to diet? If you're in a transition to phasing it out of your life, sure, that can be a step. But I hope it's not where you stop because not only are there not health benefits, there's they're really detrimental to our health, uh, whether we're talking about the diet versions or the regular versions with the sugar and the calories. You know, when we talk about the diet versions, they wreak havoc on the microbiome. Plus, they are full of dyes and artificial flavors that are absolutely not doing you any service whatsoever. Um, they can trigger and create more cravings. Plus, let's talk about the fact that drinking things out of cans and plastic bottles is really not good in terms of the toxins that you're introducing as they absolutely positively leach into the fluids that they're in contact with uh, while they're in the container. So don't touch them. This next question, I feel like I talk about at least two or three times a month, but I, you know, it comes up for every single one of us probably two or three times or 20 times a day. And the question is how to stay motivated. And the answer, again, for those of you that have listened for a while, you're probably saying it along with me, you don't stay motivated. The goal is to stay consistent. The goal is to stay consistent no matter the emotional state because that feeling of motivation or drive, that is an emotion. And there is no emotion that is constant. Yes, there are absolutely things we can do to to spur motivation, to amplify motivation. I have a whole entire training on this inside the consistency course about what motivation is and the extent to which we can influence it and how we influence it. There's a whole training on that inside the consistency course. But ultimately, at the end of the day, while, yeah, there are some tools that you can make yourself feel motivated, what you need if you want to be successful long term is to build the skill of being consistent regardless of the emotional state you are in. Because the, no matter how great you are at manufacturing motivation, there are going to be days where you don't care. There are going to be days where you don't have time. There are going to be periods of your life where it's not a priority. So to really get what you want, you have to be consistent. Hence the consistency course, because I think it is the skill that we all need that allows us to create any outcome we want in any area of our life. I feel like I might have answered this next one in a previous episode. So if I did, you just get the answer du jour, which may or may not be similar to whatever I said the other day, but maybe I didn't. I don't know. It says, can you talk about balancing life, work, mommy life, you life, and being okay with not getting it all done? I'll tell you what is true for me with the caveat that I am not an expert in motherhood. I'm not an expert in work-life balance. I've done a lot of things wrong. One of the pivotal moments of my life that forever changed my outlook on things was the death of my daughter a couple years ago. Because so many things that mattered to me before that, sure, they might still matter now, but they matter a whole lot less. And I really hope nobody has to experience that kind of learning the way that I learned that. But here's what helps me a ton. Know what your priorities are, okay? For example, and this might not be how you feel, and it, do, and it shouldn't be, right? If you agree with everything I say, you probably should find some other voices uh, if you haven't already that, that you don't agree with because I think living in an echo chamber is a really dangerous thing. When I think about priorities, my first priority 
is my health. And my health is a priority over my kids. My health is a priority over my work. My health is a priority over my marriage. And, and I know a lot of moms probably don't feel that way. My kids are my first priority is something I hear a lot. Listen, I love my kids. There's nothing I wouldn't do for my kids. But we have to know the priorities because it helps us determine how we spend our time. So before I get on the floor and play with trucks with my son, before I have quality one-on-one time with Piper or Charlie, I'm going to do my freaking workout. And I'm going to make sure I have food prepped for that day because my health is my number one priority. My kids need my health to be my number one priority. My grandkids need my health to be my number one priority. Where a lot of people screw up in terms of like executing on this is in the, they have their priorities in their head, but that's all they are. They're not real true priorities. They're just like how I would put this in a rank if I had to think about it in an, elect, in an intellectual exercise. Because where I noticed this wasn't playing out in action for me was when the twins were in the NICU. And I would wake up at 4 every morning and I'll leave the house by 4.20 to drive to Boston, spend as much time as I could with the girls, race back so that I could be home to put Roman down for his afternoon nap, and then, you know, spend time with him. And after he went to bed at night, I would feel like, well, I really need to work out, but I can't because I have to work and I don't really have time to work during the day and this is my only opportunity. And I was having you know day after day go by where I wasn't working out because I had to work. And it just slapped me in the face one day where I realized, and I know I've told this story a million times, but it kind of speaks to the answer to this question. I'm saying that I value my health over my work, but I don't value my health over my work if I keep choosing my work over my health. So the way that has to look is I work out first and then I do my work. It doesn't mean, oh, well, I can't work. That means I can't work because I have to work out. No, both can get done. And I always say, like, if I had a two-hour block from 7.30 to 9.30 that I was saying I could get work done in, well, I'm going to take the first 20 minutes and work out. Hell, you can take the first 10 minutes, the first 15 minutes and work out, and then the rest of the time is for work. Or you extend the block by 15 or 20 minutes, whatever you need to do. But It has to be reflected in your time. It has to be reflected in your action. So first know what is the priority and then make sure that you're using your time in a way that reflects the priorities. When something happens like, um, gosh, I don't know, I didn't call back a friend that I said I would call back. I'm not going crazy over it because it just is a ma- it's a function of the priorities get the time first. And when I feel that the priorities are taken care of, I got my workout in. I'm prepared to take great care of myself food-wise. I have spent time with my kids. I have spent time with my husband. Yeah, absolutely. There's going to be days where I didn't get to the grocery store or I didn't call that friend back. But I feel so good about the fact that I'm executing in all these other things that, like, of course things are going to fall through. Where we start to feel crappy is when we're so busy that things we value most aren't getting what they need. So you have to know what you value most. You have to organize your time accordingly. And then if you find, like, oh, man, I keep letting my friends down because I'm not available or... um, you know, there's these other things that are important to me that I'm not doing, then you can get a little more strategic and do something like a time audit and say, what needs to go? 
Or do I need to have a babysitter on the first Wednesday of every month so that I can get together with one of my friends? Or you, you know what I mean? Like then you can get a little bit more specific and nuanced. But that's really what's what I'm finding to be most helpful in in this season. The other thing uh, that I would say about this, and I've been on this soapbox for a while now, is uh, change things up in your home. Have less stuff, right? If you haven't listened to some of the conversations I've had here on the podcast about this or follow The Barta House, B-A-R-T-A, The Barta House on Instagram. It's really fantastic. I mean, her approach is a little more extreme than, than mine personally is likely to be. But she talks about how like we often feel overwhelmed and burdened with taking care of our home in large part because we have too much stuff and we're always taking care of stuff that we don't really need. And the amount of time, not just that I've freed up, but people that I'm working with have freed up because we've kind of been going through this together. When you get rid of stuff, when you declutter, things like I, I do a load of laundry every single day from start to finish. And I even did this while we were away on vacation. Wash, dry, fold, put away every single day. Then that's never overwhelming. It's never, oh, I feel like, oh my gosh, a Sunday afternoon, I've got to do six loads of laundry. Nope, I never feel that way. And it takes so much less time. So get rid of more of your stuff. Donate, trash it, both. Follow the Barta House. Read some books on, on decluttering and minimalism and it opens up a lot more time. Okay, last question here says, uh, how do you learn to be kind and grateful for yourself and not feel guilty? How to show self-love without feeling guilty? What are some ways to recharge that are positive and move us forward? So how to be kind and grateful for yourself and not feel guilty. I, I guess my question is feel guilty about what, right? So the second part of the question is how to show self-love without feeling guilty. First, I would say, what is it that you feel guilty about? The time? Like I have a massage scheduled for myself next week, which I've wanted to do since I was pregnant with the twins, but I think prenatal massages are stupid. <laughs> I've had several and I'm always like, this sucks. Um, <laughs> so now I'm like ready to have a real beat me up kind of massage. Um, but I have a massage scheduled next week, which means I'm saying to my husband, like, you've got all three kids. I'm going to get a massage. The reason I don't feel guilty about that is because of what we were talking about earlier. Like, I feel so great about how I use my time and my availability for my family and my presence when I'm with them. A lot of times people feel guilty, like, oh, if I go to the gym, I feel guilty leaving my kids. But then they'll sit at home with their kids and be on their phone and not be present. Like, look, if you feel bad about that hour where you're at the gym, then how about the three hours that you're home, you actually give them your time and attention? How about that? How about that? Or maybe it's not guilty because of time. Maybe it's you feel guilty because of money. Well, are you being a good steward of your money? Are you being creative about additional ways to bring income into your family? I am a very firm and proud believer that we have a responsibility to ourselves and to our families to have multiple streams of income. Full stop. I believe that we should all be in the pursuit of a state where if my largest stream of income disappeared tomorrow because I couldn't do it or I got fired or it got wiped off the face of the earth for some reason, it just got shut off, I would still be okay. It's fine if you're not there right now, 
But I don't think there's any reason that anybody can't be moving toward that no matter how many kids you have, no matter what your level of education, no matter what your income, it's never been more accessible. So identify why you feel guilty. Is it the way you're thinking? Do you just have a really crappy narrative that you know doesn't make sense, but you haven't done the work to change the narrative? That's what I have to say about that. Okay, the winner of Burn, and if you haven't listened to 1061, please do, because again, I think it's one of the most important health and weight loss podcasts I've done in a while. The winner of Burn is Ashlea P! Exclamation point. A-S-H-L-E-A-P! Exclamation point. Email me, Elizabeth at primalpotential.com. Within 60 days of this episode airing, let me know you were the winner for 1062, and of course, include your mailing address so that I can get that out to you. I'll put the links we talked about to the probiotics that I take to burn uh, in the show description. You can win if you leave a review on whatever platform you are listening. If this episode was helpful, I hope you'll share it with somebody who has similar interests or goals or perspectives for hell, different perspectives too, because you know, we all need to expose ourselves to that. All right, everybody have a great day. I'll talk to you soon.